Today, I want to talk to you about mountaintop experiences. Two weeks ago, we discussed stories of being in the presence of God during church school, and we shared moments when we felt close to the holy through people who showed up and shared love. Now, this won't be a new story to those who were listening then, but it's a moment that bears repeating from my own life. I want to share a Fiedler family mountaintop experience that has kept me going through valleys and drama, through disappointment and rocky terrain. The background to this story is crucial. You need to know that my dear brother Jonathan got all the tall and athletic skill genes from both sides of the family. He grew to be over six feet in middle school and settled into a six-six frame perfectly suited for reaching the highest shelves for his shorter family members. He was an accomplished swimmer and soccer player, but Jonathan decided early on to focus on basketball. During one night in May of his junior year in high school, Jonathan dropped off a teammate after basketball practice. As he was heading home, he got into a two-car accident in an intersection. Miraculously, Jonathan didn't break any bones, but he suffered a traumatic brain injury and he was in a coma for 19 days. When he regained consciousness, he began the arduous journey of regaining his strength and relearning how to walk, eat, and act like a typical teenager. Suffice it to say, my family's life changed dramatically that night in May of 2001, and my brother's recovery and re-entry to school and sports became our squad goals. So if you flash forward to the summer of 2006, I had one more year left in seminary, and I spent that summer as the chaplain intern at Ghost Ranch in northern New Mexico. My parents and my brother joined me for a week out there at the ranch before they went on a road trip to see the Grand Canyon and other national parks. During their visit, I was so excited to take them on my favorite hike, Chimney Rock. We started the hike and it was hot. Now, I'm not going to name the particular offender because I trust you will meet the members of my family one day, but complaints about the trek were voiced in frustration. I kept saying that the view would be worth it and it was just a little bit farther, but I was wondering in my head if this was really a good idea. And then finally, the four of us made it to the top. The smiles you see in these pictures show that the journey was worth it. This was the first vacation 
the first family trip we had enjoyed since my brother's accident. Now we all changed during those five years, but this time together in the land of enchantment offered healing and hope. We were going to make it. It would be uncomfortable and there would be grumbling and doubt along the way, but ultimately we were going to make it together. That week with my family was the highlight of a wonderful summer for me and the time spent laughing and sharing stories together. The chance to work and play with my family beside me was what my heart needed. It was a beautiful week, one that I wanted to bottle up and hold on to forever. Have you had moments like that? Maybe not on a mountaintop, but have you experienced moments when you wanted time to slow down and wish there was a way to hold on and preserve it forever? Well, that's what happens in our text today. That's what happens when Jesus, Peter, James, and John climb up a mountaintop. Listen to Mark's version of this dramatic mountaintop experience from chapter 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to them, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The story on the mountain with Jesus is familiar and mysterious. Mountains are a popular setting for thrilling moments. Now, major league miracles happen throughout the Bible on mountaintops. The ark comes to a stop with Noah and the animals on the mountains of Ararat. Abraham almost kills his son Isaac on Mount Moriah before a ram is sacrificed instead. Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. Elijah meets God, 
through the sheer silence at Mount Horeb. As Peter, James, and John trekked up the mountain with Jesus, they may have had an inkling that this would not be a typical hike. But it is unlikely they expected to witness such a sight, to see Jesus suddenly dawning dazzling white, and to see Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets there chatting with Jesus. Of course, they were terrified. Of course, Peter stuttered a proposal to put up tents so that the three all-star prophets could be comfortable and stay a while. We can understand his desire to hold on to this moment and make it last as long as possible. When Peter starts with, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, that is an unbelievable understatement. This is not just a good moment on a mountain. This is a momentous moment on a mountaintop when the creator and fashioner of mountains speaks. A cloud disrupts Peter's plans, changes the view, and from that cloud, God directs the disciples. Just in case they missed the magnitude of the moment, God emphasizes the identity of Jesus and instructs the three students how to learn from their master teacher. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And in a flash, the dazzling white attire is gone. The vision of Moses and Elijah dissipates, and the thrill of revelation is dashed by the reality, by the return to reality. Only Jesus is left and he's not looking so shiny anymore. The moment is over. There is no time to put up a tent or a time lapse. The three disciples can't hold on to what happened any more than they could hold on to the divine cloud. Peter, James, and John follow Jesus down the mountain and their first instructions are to keep this mountaintop matter to themselves. They can't post it on their Instagram stories or Facebook wall. No hashtag dazzling white or hashtag beloved to share with their followers on Twitter. Continuing the messianic secret in Mark, they can't tell a soul until Jesus' identity is revealed. Not until after the resurrection can they tell the story of what happened on that mountain. They are instructed to hold on to the memory until the appointed time to testify. They have to hold on to this experience and wait to let it go. But friends, we are given different instructions we are called to share the good news and tell the story of God's love. We have the stories of Matthew, Luke, and Mark from that mountaintop transfiguration moment. We weren't there, 
and we didn't witness what happened, but even today we can follow the divine instructions. We know Christ and we are called to listen to him. As we prepare our hearts for another season of Lent, we are reminded who Jesus is, God's son, the beloved. We don't have to climb a mountain to be inspired to listen to Christ. We can follow his teaching, model our lives after his love, and serve our neighbors, inspired by his compassion and justice from our own homes, in our neighborhood. No mountain climbing required. You don't have to get out of your slippers. Let your heart rest in the love of the triune God and share that relentless, gracious, extravagant love with the people around you and our neighbors in need. Like the disciples on that mountaintop, we hold on to God's instructions so that we can share Christ's love. Now, it's incredible to consider that in a few weeks, we will mark the one-year anniversary of when the coronavirus became a constant presence in our lives, changing how we do church and how we live in community. During this time of radical adjustments, we as a church have held on to what it means to worship together, to stay connected, and to serve our neighbors here in Richmond and as far away as Guatemala. We have held on to the message and mission of God's love. And we have had to let go of our routines and expectations, our traditions and rhythms of how to be together. It has not been easy or predictable. I, for one, have complained and questioned along the way. And now, as Lent approaches, we have another chance to practice holding on and letting go. As we follow Jesus to the cross, we hold on to the promise of his steadfast presence and merciful love. As we navigate vaccines and more transitions, we hold on to the importance of keeping each other healthy and, oh, I lost my place, and doing our part for the welfare of all. As we continue through the liturgical year, we hold on to the witness of this church family, still feeding the hungry on Mondays at walk-in, still discerning how to learn from our complex history and lead courageously with God's love. God's everlasting love was on dazzling display on that mountaintop. The love of Jesus inspires us to serve our neighbors and seek justice for all. Today, on this Valentine's Day, I hope you will let God's love loose. Hold on to the promise that you too are called beloved and let go of all the love you can muster. Our church, our community, 
our world can use more love on the loose. May it be so. Amen. And now let us pray together. God of love and courage, we give thanks for the ways you transform that mountaintop through the transfiguration of Jesus. We give thanks for the ways you still transform our hearts and lives as we follow you. Guide us in the days and weeks ahead to hold on to your promise and to let go of all that holds us from loving you and our neighbors with abandon and joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.